From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. Gridiron on Tap podcast. We are trying this once again. We are on a hiatus because of all sorts of technical difficulties. This is the beauty of technology these days, Brandon. But it was mainly on my end. I'm Danny. And I am Brandon. And we might be back. We could be recording this and it could be unreleased. And that makes all of this introduction that much better, does it not? It does. That's why you guys stick around. And that's why we love you for it. Um, do we do we want to recap any of the games again, going back from week ten, or are we just going to jump straight into week eleven and and hit it? I don't think there was any real big take homes, other than Matthew Stafford couldn't get it done in primetime again. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was one one big take home. You know, upsets to that bookended the week and a couple of teams bouncing back as we thought they would. And, but man, I wonder if they are questioning the Stafford acquisition at all in LA at this point in time. Based off of what we've seen from Jared Goff in the last couple of this season and the previous two seasons, I would say that it's probably a safe assessment that they're, they're still happier with having Matthew Stafford there. However, if you look at the last two seasons, Jared Goff was seven and three to start the season. <laughs> you know who else was seven and three to start the season with the Rams? Matthew Stafford this year. So yeah, I guess that's kind of a loaded question you just asked. Yeah, I mean, I, I just they gave up a decent amount of draft capital, and I think what the saving grace would be from that being a much better package that the than what they could have sent to Detroit is the fact that we did take on Jared Goff and the Lions did have to eat that uh, eat that contract. Yeah, I think part of the saving grace for that was also with the Rams paying a surplus of Jared Goff's contract. I mean, there's a lot of things that were involved in that trade that for me, as not only as a Lions fan, but also somebody who has knowledge of the inner workings of the game, as you do, you look at that trade and go, okay, so the Rams gave away their starting quarterback, two first-round picks, and they paid the bulk of his next year's salary to get Matthew Stafford. So what that says is, this guy's done. We have no faith in him. We have absolutely no concern for the next couple of years for our first round draft pick because we believe that Matthew Stafford is the guy and Jared Goff is washed up and he's and he's done. 
all of that to this point, even even adding the the poor Matthew Stafford game on Monday, all of that to this point has been proven to be a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, the Rams are going to be happy with this deal. I just think that now Lions fans are getting a little bit of solace seeing Matthew Stafford play like the player that we saw here um, for so many years. And because he looked like he was going to be MVP of the league up until these last couple of games. And I, I don't think that Lions fans were going to be okay with that. If he, if he was going to land the MVP and go on a deep run while the Rams were going to be the number one team in football. Yeah, I guess. And, and that's where it's a hard, that's where it's a hard conversation for me to have with, other Lions fans that don't understand more so than just looking at a roster, right? And you go, well, Matthew Stafford was, he couldn't get it done in Detroit. Well, neither could anybody outside of the name of Calvin Johnson on offense for the vast majority of his career. The Lions had a good defense two, two seasons that he was there. And that was it. They finished one year when they had Indomitian Sue and Nick Fairley up front. They finished third overall. The following year, they finished seventh overall. I believe it was seventh. Other than that, they've been in the bottom half of the league every season. So, yeah, you can't say, oh, he couldn't get it done. He didn't help, but you can't place the blame solely on an individual person. This is not basketball. Basketball, you can do that. LeBron James can directly affect the outcome of any basketball game if he's on the court. The quarterback has no choice of what happens on defense. He can sit there and watch flags get picked up all day long. (laughs) (laughs) He can watch his defense give up 30 points all day long, and he's firmly planted on the bench probably with his face in a Microsoft Surface tablet. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You know, you've got 22 players that go out there and direct each side of the ball, um, directly impact each side of the ball. And I think where the frustration lies with Matthew Stafford is that you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Tom Brady. And once again, these are unfair comparisons because Stafford has proved over his career that he is not these players. But you see these players go out and make their offenses, lift their teams up to that next level. And I don't believe that Stafford ever showed a fiery side when communicating with his teammates or led by example enough in the fans' eyes to elevate the team. He, he I would argue that he made Golden Tate better. Um, I mean, Golden Tate had his best years here, but in terms of players that he's elevated, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and they've elevated guys that, you know, succeeded under them and then found themselves out of football and Stafford's list for impact like that is very short. I agree with that. That that is definitely that's a fair assessment. Um it it also could have to do a little bit with the scouting. You know, there's so many intangibles involved and you know, during the Bob Quinn general manager era, it was what expatriates can we bring in? That's literally what it was. <laughs> like, let's get rid of Jim Caldwell. And I get it. I understand he didn't win a playoff game, 
but he was still nine and seven. I still have I, I don't understand how you get rid of a coach that has a winning record. I get that he couldn't get them over the hump, but Matt Patricia didn't take that team and move them forward. Matt Patricia took the team, exploded it, and and built them backwards. They didn't do anything. Look at the Chicago Bears, Brandon. They fired Lovey Smith after a, a after a very successful run as their head coach. He finished his last season with the Chicago Bears nine and seven, and they've done squat since then. Yeah, I mean, I think that the two pronged approach of Matt Patricia and, and Bob Quinn. It was much worse than any other GM, Martin Mayhew included, than I've ever seen. Um, and in, like I said, two prongs. Bob Quinn was terrible at getting talent into the organization, and Matt Patricia was great at running talent out of it. So you're jettisoning, you know, jettisoning your guys that are skilled. Darius Slays of the world, you know, all of these players. I could go on and on and on only to fill them with Bob Quinn's ineptitude when it comes to drafting and, and acquiring players. So, yeah, I mean, to that point, I, I'm, I don't blame Matthew Stafford for asking to get out after potentially going through another rebuild. So, ugh, I don't know. It's – what a mess. I mean, our fan did, did Lions fans get on Adrian Peterson for asking not to be resigned because he didn't want to be in a rebuild? No. No, not at all. You know, so so where that's where I have the issue saying, well, okay, well, what well, if he couldn't get it done and you already admitted and you've sold yourself and you are firmly planted in this position that Matthew Stafford could not get it done during his time in Detroit and then says, Hey, I'd like to be traded. Why are you upset? You're getting what you wanted. He's gone. And you got a whole bunch of collateral with it. Danny, we know fans are not that sim- easily pleased though. <laughs> you know, they want to they want Stafford out of town, but then they're not going to be happy, you know, it, it's just I feel like most and honestly, for for good reason, at this point in time, if you're a Lions fan, you have very little to hang your hat on outside of individual accolades earned by Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. And so for them to be unhappy regardless of outcomes, you know, I guess until the Lions can actually put something of substance together as a team, they have a right to be. Yeah, that's... It's it's a called for statement. Um, Matthew Stafford, after his poor game on Monday night, he's actually, according to our friends at BetMGM, he is still fourth favorited for uh, to become the MVP of the NFL at plus nine hundred, uh, behind Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott. Josh Allen's running away with it. He's plus two hundred. Actually, since we're looking at this right now, the biggest disparity is Micah Parsons is absolutely running away, like Bonnie and Clyde style, running away with the defensive rookie of the year odds at this. He is minus 160. Patrick Sertan 
the second is plus 900 in second place, Brandon. Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we've seen what he's done. He, he has completely taken the, the smear campaign before the draft and everything, taking that to heart, and he's a do-it-all linebacker. He's, he's covering sideline to sideline. He's forcing turnovers, and he's he's instantly made that defense much better. So I, can't, I guess I can't be all that surprised, although I am a little surprised that no other defensive players have stepped up and made, I don't know, a third of the impact that he's made. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, that is the rookie of the year. But offensive, or I'm sorry, the defensive player of the year, you have Miles Garrett, plus 275 and right behind him is Trevon Diggs at plus 300 you want to under do you want to know why the Dallas Cowboys are where they are record wise you got Michael Parsons running away with the defensive rookie of the year you've got Trevon Diggs in second place as far as uh, being being favorited Dak Prescott is third overall like the proof's in the pudding right there that's why the Dallas Cowboys are where they are Brandon Oh, absolutely. The Dallas Cowboys are playing really good football this year, and the fact that they were able to get their defense and their passing game to show up um, and somewhat match the offensive side of the ball, they're going to be yet another NFC team that's tough to deal with. I agree. I think what, what what's interesting for me is what, looking at uh at the different odds that they that that are currently you know because BetMGM updates them on the hour. Jamar Chase was was absolutely destroying everybody for the offensive rookie of the year. He's plus 110. Mac Jones has closed the gap at plus 120. Oh wow. And then Najee Harris is one is 1200 at in third place. So it's between Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. That shows you because Mac Jones was I want to say the last time we talked about it Mac Jones was like 7th. Sounds about right. Um, New England as a team, though, and it's funny because that kind of mirrors what their respective teams are doing. It can be argued that the Bengals have been figured out and that the Patriots have figured out how to win, and here we go. Yeah. it's yeah. It, I love the second half of the season. It's always – it's it's such an exciting time – you got the football weather. You've got some snow in the games. I live in Florida now, Brandon. I love to see snow in games. I don't. How do you when you watch football? Because you have to live in this awful driving, <laughs> frigid, <laughs> cold temperature for like eight out of twelve months a year. <laughs> how do you feel when you watch games that are in snow? Do you enjoy it, or does it is it just another another game to you? You know. I like it to an extent. Um, I, I think they're fun to watch, but I really think that they can take away from the outcome of what the game is. They, sometimes it can just impact the game so much that did the better team really win or did they just recover seven of the you know total of 11 fumbles that happened in the game? <laughs> right. You know, I, so to that point, if it's if it's snowing a little bit, and teams only have to slightly alter their game plan. They can still complete some passes, but you know it, it's a hard-nosed running game defensive battle. I can I can get behind that, but I don't know if you remember the Philadelphia Eagles 
and Detroit game from a few a uh, few years ago. Snowman Calvin but, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that game there was there was a point in time where that game was just brutal to you watch. Yeah, you couldn't even see it half the uh I think it was like the it was the second or the third quarter. You could not even make out what was happening on television. Right. And yeah. the commentators they were saying that too. I would have loved to have been at that game though. I think that would have been you know that that's just one of those for me that's one of those moments where, you're, where that's kind of like iconic. It was just a regular season game, nothing crazy, but it was so iconic that people still talk about that game much like you and I are right now. That's a good point. I mean, from being able to revisit that game and and talk about it from being there, I, I could see that. But I do remember to your point, just you know, watching the game and going, "What am I watching right now?" Because it did. It looked like it's my TV you know, broken. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was. It was just you know a bunch of kids out there playing football in the snow where, you know, oh I got a first down. No, you didn't. You know, I mean, nobody knew what was going on and. It was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. But so, yeah, to that point, I I do enjoy snow games as long as it does not completely impact the outcome of the game. That's fair, and I think that one that might have been the last game before they started heating the fields as well. I believe I think so. You're right? Yeah, I think you're right. Because I I don't think we've seen anything crazy like that since. You know, there's been snow on the ground, but hell, it was snowing in Green Bay. For their game last week, the Packers, yeah. the they were posting it all over their social media on the frozen tundras here. Yep. And the field was completely clear for that game. Since we were talking about iconic moments, Brandon, Thursday night football, the New England Patriots go to Atlanta for a non-iconic matchup between the Patriots and the Falcons. <laughs> uh, the, Patriots are favored, <laughs> the Patriots are favored by six and a half. Yeah, there's no reason for the Patriots not to win this. They are absolutely rolling. Matt Judon is playing like a man possessed on defense. Mac Jones, we talked about. And I don't know if I want you to say it or if I want to say it, but there are a lot of running backs on the New England Patriots roster that are all playing well, almost to the point that they have an embarrassment of riches. Oh. It's like the greatest phrase. It really is. Um, <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson can get it done. Damian Harris can get it done. It's like Brandon Bolden can get it done. They're all – it doesn't matter. It's like plug and play at this point. And Bill Belichick has taken this team that looked like, oh, boy, they're in a rebuilding year and turned them into, <laughs> never mind, the Patriots are back. Yeah, it's what a turnaround from this team, and and I, can, do you think in a year from now that we are talking about Mac Jones as being the best quarterback from this draft class? I can tell you one thing for sure: that when I made my predictions on Gridiron on Tap. I projected him to be the fourth best out of the four top four quarterbacks. And not saying that he would have been bad, but I envisioned – I thought Justin Fields was walking right into a perfect scenario in Chicago. 
I thought he was going to run away with it to the point where I thought the Bears were probably going to be the favorites to win the NFC North. And boy, was I wrong. Well, I was right there with you, though. I mean, you look at these other quarterbacks that were taken, and they all have the ability to scramble a little bit. They all you know, have rockets for arms. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about Trey Lance. I'm talking about um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. And, oh, man. Oh, we'll leave the Jets quarterback um, out of this for right now because I I think he's had enough. But, um, yeah, we beat him up. We beat him up like a defensive line. Right, right. That's why (laughs) I don't even want to bring his name into this. I I feel kind of bad for the kid. But, uh, you know, you look at those guys, and these are all guys that I almost have that. DK Metcalf effect where you look at them and they just look like physical specimens. And then here comes Mac Jones trotting out. Just he gets drafted. And for some reason they have him 250 yards away from the stage where he's got to walk through, you know, almost like a parking lot and three buildings to get there. And they've got this camera on him the entire time. And you're like, Man, this guy can't even walk right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then you see the pictures come out later where he does not have a physique like these other guys. And you're like, man, what was Belichick thinking? And who knows, man? Hey, th- this guy's going to talk to Tom Brady in the offseason, get TB12 going, and probably play until he's 60. So, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. He ha- at this point, he has to, although he's got to cut down Eaton. What is he? He's uh, spaghetti. He has to cut down eating spaghetti <laughs> at any point during the day. Like that, that's not good. Spaghetti's great, but it's not good to eat that at any point in time. Speaking of spaghetti, Brandon, I, this is, this is good. I guess this is just a fun episode. Do you plan on eating at M&M's mom's spaghetti restaurant? You know, no, um, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> is it because the reviews are terrible? Well, <laughs> that and like, so the setup for it, and I originally did, that's why the hesitation came in because the restaurateurs that, that partnered with them and I'm on this are actually some great, you know, they've got a great reputation around Detroit, but the problem is, is it is a, basically a food truck type concept. So there's not a okay. sit down area. And so you're walking around eating spaghetti out of a Chinese food container. So it's like, I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I can look at food and somehow get it on myself. So the recipe for me eating spaghetti while walking is just not a good one. And uh, so can I ask you a question, Brandon? Please do. <laughs> if you're walking around eating spaghetti and you've already got it on you, what are you wearing? <laughs> Are you wearing a sweater? (laughs) (laughs) Great pull. Little B-Rabbit. Oh, boy. Um, I'm assuming you're taking the Pats, correct? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that was my long-winded way of saying that the Patriots are going to win this game. Patriots, Spaghetti, Pats, Falcons. Oh, I love it. I can't wait to do this more often than twice a week. Oh, you and I both. We are slowly turning this bad boy into a from a football po- podcast to a pop culture morning show that talks about football. I love it. <laughs> Indianapolis is heading to Buffalo, and two weeks ago would have probably been the matchup of the week. 
Uh, Buffalo was favored by seven, over under set to fifty points. So they're they're expecting quite a quite a high turnout for touchdowns. Actually, that is the that is the highest over under uh, per bet MGM of the week. I gotta go with Buffalo, man. Buffalo's looking good while Indianapolis is kind of regressing outside of Jonathan Taylor doing absolutely nothing wrong in any game. Yeah, I the the difference here is going to be the the quarterback play. You know, Carson Wentz has been inconsistent. He has improved and and gotten taken a step towards getting back to be that uh quarterback that helped the Eagles in his rookie season, but I mean, last week was a rough, rough week for him, and Buffalo's defense is only going to challenge him worse. So I, I I agree with you. I think that this is going to be a game that Buffalo kind of walks away from with, with a comfortable lead because I do think that Carson Wentz is going to turn that ball over a few times, and I think that both sides of the, sides of the ball for Buffalo are better than what Indianapolis can offer. I can tell you one thing that will be 100% sure after this game is that Brandon's prediction that Jonathan Taylor will overtake Derrick Henry in the rushing yards finally will happen because they're both tied at 937 yards. <laughs> Fall forward one time and he got it. That's that, that's all you got to do as long as it's beyond the line of scrimmage on the backfield. <laughs> uh Baltimore is heading to Chicago to take on the Bears. The Ravens are favored by six. I, outside of maybe one game this year, I have not seen anything out of the Chicago Bears that I have liked. I really haven't. On and and that's not me saying it as a as a hater who is a fan of a team in the NFC North, because I just got done saying that I thought that they were going to be the favorites to win the NFC North, and it's polar opposite. Baltimore is not looking too good either, but. This could be one of those get right games. You know, you talked about it last week with the Cowboys. They got they got hosed. They came out, they handled business 43 to 3. I think this is a get right game for the Baltimore Ravens and they're going to win by more than 6 points. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that, you know, they're coming off of a bad loss and I don't think that I don't think that they're going to respond and come out flat in this game. I think Chicago is going to get everything that Baltimore has to offer and to your point between the differences in skill sets, that's not going to be good for Chicago. No, it's not. Over or under third quarter, Landry Fields. I'm sorry, Landry Fields. What am I talking about? Justin Fields. I'm reading I'm reading stats, getting ready for our next game, which is the <laughs> Lions and Browns. Let's try this one more time, Brandon. Over or under third quarter, Justin Fields, sideline, tears, go. Oh, are we are we doing from both eyes or is it just each eye or how are we doing this? I mean, unless he gets something in his eye, it's got to be both eyes because <laughs> you've had it before. We're like, you know, you oh God, I got something in my eye. And then you're crying from one eye and people look at you like you're going nuts. And you're like, you've never had anything in your eye before. Come on. <laughs> uh, I, I think that we will go a, an, a double eyeball combination of 16 tiers. So, oh wow! He Brandon gave us a full-on number. I wanted the quarter. He gave us the entire number. Um, <laughs> we are going to need these 4K cameras on Justin Fields at all points on the sideline. I don't even want to watch the game. I just want to watch Justin Fields on the sideline now. <laughs> I got to see if Brandon's going to get his number. Um, 
Detroit's heading to Cleveland. The not going to be winless Detroit Lions are heading to <laughs> to Cleveland. <laughs> the Browns are favored by ten. I think it's going to be a massacre. Cleveland's got the best running offense in the in in the league, Brandon, and the Lions have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. It's going to be brutal for these Detroit Lions. It is. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was going to be brutal for this team before key players started popping up on injury reports. And now that, you know, Jared Goff has struggled all year and now he's hurt Jared Goff, it it's going to be tough for the, the Lions. I think that really, like a lot of these teams that the Lions play, Cleveland can attack them really however they want to. And I think they're going to choose to unleash that run game that they have with Darren Johnson and just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. And the the thing that's scary if you're a Lions fan is you go, okay, well, if Jared Goff can't play, you can hand the ball off. DeAndre Swift could get it done. He could, 33 carries last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers for 130 yards. Only running back on the roster to not get in the end zone. Oh, yeah, but wait, the Browns are way better at stopping the run than the Pittsburgh Steelers are. You've got a guy by the name of Miles Garrett. If you thought that if you thought that Jared Goff had a dirty pocket or whatever quarterback is going to be under center, if you thought that they did not have a clean pocket against Pittsburgh, wait till you see what's going to happen against Cleveland. DeAndre Swift could have 33 carries for eight yards. Yeah, well... Hopefully Jamar Jefferson or, you know, Iguabuke or somebody helps out in the in the backfield because as as we talked about before, Swift is just not the type of back to get thirty three carries in a game, especially against a physical defense. So I really don't want to see that. Um because I think that that is just outside of Swift's, you know, that's just outside of his skill set. Um and so I really don't want to see that. And Danny, to your point earlier, so the Lions are on a two-week um, two streak of not losing. So who knows? Maybe they do carry it forward. Most solid team in the NFL currently. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to anything for the Detroit Lions on uh, – specifically in this game, they may have that one opportunity against the Chicago Bears on Thanksgiving, but it's Thanksgiving, and they typically don't play well on Thanksgiving either. So I feel that we're going to be seeing uh, yeah, more losses in the future. The Lions very well could finish 0-16-1. Well, at least they did not go 0-17 at that point. And that's about all I can say about that. Houston's traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Uh, Tennessee is favored by 10 and a half points per bet MGM. I think being favored by 10 and a half points is a little too light. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being honest about it. I think the Titans are going to destroy the Texans even without Derrick Henry, because it does not matter because the Texans are a much worse team than the injured Jared Goff-led Detroit Lions, and they're fully healthy. 
Yeah, I, as a Houston fan, there's not much to point to that that can give you hope in this game. I think that even if Tennessee does look past Houston, you know, just to prepare for other other games down the road, they're still so much more talented at each level and on both sides of the ball. So um, as I look at it, you know, some things that could help out is A.J. Brown is coming in to, with a questionable, questionable designation. If he doesn't play, you know, that that helps. Um, if Tyrod Taylor plays for Houston, that could help. But that just makes the game closer. It makes the loss for the um, Texans closer. <laughs> it's not going to do anything to change yeah. the outcome. I mean, how how bad has this Julio has this Julio Jones trade played out for the for the Titans so far this season? He's not played hardly at all. I think he's played what three games the whole season, like complete games. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too because. And we've talked about it before on other shows. And, you know, Julio Jones' skill set and what he can do on the field in terms of domination, he's he's an all-timer if he's healthy. And I believe that, you know, things are just falling apart for him. And it's always tough because you know how how physical football is. So – you know, I, I just feel for the guy that he really could put an all-time career up, and it, it's probably going to fall short of that because of these injuries. Yep. Uh, NFC North showdown between the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. Packers are favored by two and a half points, which I, I don't know if I agree with that, being uh, being so closely specced. I think the Packers win this game. They are going to be without Aaron Jones for one to two weeks. Uh, so if you are in fantasy and do not have A.J. Dillon and he is a free agent, you are very welcome. Brandon Start sits will be out later this week. I'm putting you on notice, folks, <laughs> and Brandon. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> to everybody. It's on audio now. Um, yeah, I like the Packers in this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the Packers as well. Um, you know, you've got Minnesota, who in terms of run defense is, you know, middle of the pack. They're okay, but AJ Dillon is he really that far of a downgrade over Aaron Jones in the in the running department? I think he runs the ball probably just as well. I think he might even run the ball a little bit better between the tackles than Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. He's a, he's more elusive than AJ Dillon, but AJ Dillon has that Derrick Henry quality where he's just going to run through you, right? I mean, he's got he's got Aaron Jones speed with Saquon Barkley sized legs, you know. So he's got the perfect combination of every trait that you need. I do not think he's as versatile in the passing game as Aaron Jones is. And I would have been I would have been interested. I didn't do my research as far as uh, what the lines were set before the announcement of Aaron Jones being out. I would have been interested to see what that initial line would have been and see how much that changed with uh, Jones being ruled out, if it changed at all. Yeah, I, I didn't see um, w- what the line changed for, or I you know the line might have been made with Aaron Jones being hurt because 
he came out of that game and I believe that they had known pretty soon after that it was a knee injury. So, um, I don't know. I would be, I would be curious if that line did move at all, but, um, to your point. So I'm looking at pro football focus, rushing grades. AJ Dillon is seventh in the league with an 84.9 rushing grade. Aaron Jones is 13. So both are above average backs, but to your point, AJ Dillon is is a strong runner in this league, and we're not talking about a you know ten opportunity sample size where he came in for the first time this season because uh, Aaron Jones was hobbled. No, he he's had ninety seven attempts on the year, so the sample size is pretty good. Yeah, AJ Dillon is. Uh... I think he's making a case for himself to uh, to have the Packers move on from Aaron Jones in the offseason, right? Or maybe, maybe around the draft. Who knows? He very well could, and that could be the reason for the delay in getting the Aaron Jones deal done last year. I I would I would be shocked if that did not have the slightest bit of a factor in the delay of that. Miami is heading to New York to take on the. Oh boy, can you say who's who's leading the who's leading the Jets this week, Brandon? <laughs> oh, um, Super Bowl winning Joe Flacco. Oh, highest paid quarterback at one time in the NFL, Joe Flacco. Is that who you're talking about? That's who I'm talking about. Hasn't done anything since receiving that contract, Joe Flacco. Him? Uh, you know he carries a mean clipboard. And you know what? And he's got he's got some sick eyebrows. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Man, he is the Anthony Davis of the NFL. Oh yeah. I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know if they connect in, in the middle, but if they do, like, I feel like those that hair is so thick. I could probably transplant that to the top of my head. You know, I. What do you think? Yeah, I'm wearing hats for a reason too, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dolphins are favored by three heading into this game. The Dolphins are on a roll now. Um, Tua is still playing questionable with a finger injury. Um, I, I don't see any reason for the Dolphins not to get it done, especially against – Look, and I know we poke fun at Joe Flacco. He is a grizzled veteran, and grizzled veterans get, get the job done when they need to. Like, you know, let, Let's be realistic here for a moment. But he just hasn't played in a long time, and that's the issue. Is It's not like he is a grizzled veteran who's been called – like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he's called upon every couple of games. You know, Jameis Winston in Tampa was not playing well, so they'd pull him put and put uh, Fitzpatrick in. Or same thing in Miami. And we're not really sure about Tua. Let's play, let's play Fitzpatrick. Joe Flacco just has not played. He's flat out been riding the pine for quite some time now, dropping bars on you, Brandon. <laughs> and that's what scares me the most is, I, yeah, Mike White, I know he got injured. I don't know how – I'm not sure what the severity of his injury actually was. There was no information on him at the practice report today, whether he participated or he sat out. But dude threw four picks. Zach Wilson is back. I know we said his name. And we intended not to, so I apologize to him. But, yeah, there's no reason for any of that. There's no reason to start Joe Flacco at this point. 
Sar Zach Wilson. If he plays poorly, then put in Joe Flacco. Don't don't count on don't count on Flacco for the entire game if you want any sort of chance at winning this. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I mean, you've got to see what you have in Zach Wilson. And this is a team in Miami. So, yes, I, I do believe that Miami's going to win this game um, for, for a multitude of reasons. But in terms of the Jets starting Zach Wilson, I don't know if there's a better team to start, start him against. You look at the passing yards per game that they allow. Miami allows the 21st or I'm sorry, they allow the 28th most passing yards per game in the league. And they also allow allow the 15th most rushing yards. So their defense, it, it's primed to allow Michael Carter to get going, um, to potentially help out you know, a, a Zach Wilson or a rookie quarterback that's going to need it. And meanwhile, he should have success through the air against a bottom five pass defense. So if you're not going to start him here, I don't know when they're going to start him, but you know, it, I don't know. It's a head scratcher in my opinion. Yeah. Um, New Orleans is heading up to Philly to take on the Eagles. So here's, here's what's interesting right here is the Eagles are actually favored by a point. Alvin Kamara returns just now. As we record this, Alvin Kamara was at practice. He was fully a full participant, so he will be back. Do you think that the Eagles are still going to be favored by a point once this once this line gets updated? You know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that they would. Um, I look at this game, and you know, yes, the the Saints are trotting out Trevor Simeon and at quarterback and I know that's not ideal but I think that the defense itself so you look at you know the defensive rushing yards per game allowed New Orleans is still only allowing 72 yards per game which means we've seen the script before you force Jalen Hurts to throw the ball and that seems like a recipe for success meanwhile New Orleans is taking the ball away from the other team sixth most in the league with with five takeaways or plus five net takeaways on the season so you look at the game script or at least the statistics that have led us to this point, and it looks like they're going to be just forcing uh, Jalen Hurst to throw the ball. And if that's the case, they're only Philadelphia is only averaging 205 yards passing per game, and it seems like there's a script there for New Orleans to win this game. Yeah, I think that's the that's the proof right there is force Jalen Hurts into an uncomfortable situation on uh, if you're the Saints defense, force him to throw the ball. All you have to really do is cover is cover uh Devontae Smith. That's really all you have to do is just cover him. Dallas Goddard, you can just put a man over top. Let him let him chip away. Let him get 4 or 5 yards at yep. a time. And, and Danny, to your point, so Dallas Goddard just came across. Dallas Goddard, he did not practice today. So I just got that up there yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> so his his status for this weekend, if you take Dallas Goddard out of this offense, oh boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long one for Philadelphia. Yeah, especially with Alvin Kamara coming back because it it really showed how much the entire playbook relies on Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Which, if you're Alvin Kamara or you're an Alvin Kamara fantasy owner, that's a that's a fantastic trend. 
but that's not a, a realistic you can't expect that all the time yeah he had a mild knee sprain but let's say he played because they don't have any other weapons let's say he played last week instead of sitting out that mild knee sprain then can turn into something severe then you've got a Saquon Barkley situation where possibly torn ACL MCL you know you just you you can't rely so heavily. No, look, it's in their own division, Brandon. Christian McCaffrey. Right. Same same exact player as Alvin Kamara. We've beat we've beat that to a drum. Yeah. <laughs> on our social media pages. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's uh it's crazy. I've got New Orleans winning this, by the way. I do as well. I, I just think that even if Kamara wasn't coming back, I think that they could still get it done. Before we move on to the next game, is it New Orleans or is it New Orleans? Or did, or does it depend on the full context of which you're using the city's name? Kind of like pecans or, or pecans. <laughs> you know, I think it I think it depends on the demographic, like where or where your geography is, because in New Orleans it is Nolens. So well, that's fair, but that's more of a nickname. True. You know, like if you go to the if you go to the to the Upper Peninsula, you got you got coupons <laughs> instead of coupons. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's just you know one of those things. I don't I don't know. It's like financing and financing. You only finance a car. You finance everything else in life. You only finance a car. <laughs> You're always going to notice that now. Washington football team is headed to Carolina to take on the Panthers, who are favored by three and a half. Washington, of course, is coming off that huge upset, 29-19 to over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that um, I think that stops now. Unfortunately, Chase Young is done for the season. I don't want to dwell and I don't I don't want to use that as a negative crutch. But it seems like after Chase Young went down, that defense really rallied together, almost to, almost to like play for him. And if they can do that, and they can beat the Buccaneers by ten points, there's no reason that they should not be able to beat the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I mean this this game is kind of a toss up for me because you've got a lot of different moving parts. You've got um, Carolina, who's not allowing any passing yards. The, the average passing yards against them is 173. And then you've got Washington, who has climbed up the ranks in, in terms of defense, defensive rushing yards. So we've seen – so Cam is going to probably play for Carolina, I'd assume, this week. And if, yeah. if he does, I mean, he's got to be better than what Sam Darnold was. But at, at the same point – well, Sam Darnold's also on IR now, so he's gone at least three weeks. Sure, sure. Um, I'm just trying to think of, you know, Sam Darnold passing the ball versus Cam Newton. Sam or Cam Newton has to be an upgrade, I would think. If if not for anything, just just football IQ. Yeah, being able to make a smarter play, right, and not just throwing the ball into double and triple coverage. And he's also he's also I know he's older 
than Sam Darnold, obviously. And Sam Darnold, he can get around on the ground. Don't get me wrong. But I still think Cam Newton's a better runner overall than Sam Darnold is. He looked good last week. If Cam Newton, yeah. If Cam plays the way that Cam's supposed to play and Christian McCaffrey plays properly, by properly I mean plays an entire game, doesn't get injured. (laughs) (laughs) If Christian McCaffrey plays the way that they would expect him to play, there's no reason the Carolina Panthers don't win this game. And, you know, you talk about the up-down theory all the time. It's almost the Brandon Gunn theory. <laughs> I would love to take but credit for that. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't see. I don't see. Uh, I don't see the Carolina Panthers losing this game, though. I agree with you. I think Carolina goes in and takes care of business. Uh, San Francisco is heading to Jacksonville. Take on the Jags. The 49ers are favored by six and a half, and the uh, the the injured finger. For Eli Mitchell is a broken finger, and now his status for Sunday's game is uncertain, which would put Jeff Wilson in the slot to uh, to take the the starting snaps for the 49ers backfield. Look, the 49ers got it done all over the ground, all over the ground against the Rams on Monday night. The Jags are one of those teams where you can't let off of the brakes, though. You talked about it two weeks ago. You talked about it yesterday that nobody's ever going to hear based off of our week 10. (laughs) And it was, you know, if you're a team like the San Francisco 49ers, especially with an injury to your starting running back, which shouldn't be anything new if you're a 49ers fan or on the roster, you've got to watch out for the Jags. I honestly, I think the the 49ers are favored by six and a half. I think the Jags upset the 49ers and win at home. Wow. Okay. I, I appreciate that. Um, however, I've got to take the other side of it. I just think that San Francisco's a, a talented team. Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing serviceable, which should be good enough to put some points up uh, against this 25th ranked pass defense uh, that the Jaguars have. Urban Meyer – I think he's already planning what he's going to do next year, and it's not going to be a coach for the Jaguars. So um, he, he did come on to USC. I think so. I mean, maybe not you. Well, probably USC. I think that USC, there's a very limited number of college programs he would go to. And I think USC leads that with a bullet. But, um, you know, Jacksonville's just not scoring points. They're only averaging 16 points a game. Um, we've seen Trevor Lawrence struggle a little bit. Uh, they're also bottom five in the the points that they allow per game. Takeaway differential, they're bottom two in the league. Uh, I just think that there's too many things going against Jacksonville. However, San Francisco is coming off of a major win in a short week. So to your credit, there is a path for an upset. I just think the San Francisco gets it done. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if San Francisco won because they're supposed to win. However, like I said, I honestly, I believe, uh, I I think this has upset alert all over it. If I'm looking at the, if I'm looking at the, uh, I guess the, just the box, not not even that's the, the, the box score. I just feel 
I don't know. I look at this game when I go through every, you know, when we're preparing for the show and I go through and I look at my teams and say, okay, well, who, who possibly could be better? Like, where, where's your, where are your upsets going to happen? Are the Giants going to beat the Bucks? Probably not. Tom Brady's going to come out and he's going to, Tom Brady's literally is going to throw literal fireballs. He's going to be like Super Mario. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't see, I, I see Jacksonville capitalizing on what they've been growing over these last couple of weeks now. And it culminates with them taking down the 49ers. I like it. I'm just a guy. What can I say? Uh, Cincinnati is heading to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Uh, Bengals are favored by just a point, which what does that tell us, Brandon? Oh, it tells us that uh, it's a toss up. That's yeah, and, and two weeks ago, Bengals probably would have been favored by six, five and a half, six points. Now it's it's much closer. Um, I'm not real. I don't know what to expect from the Raiders. We know what to expect from the Bengals. They're going to run the ball a lot with Joe Mixon. They've got three good wide receivers. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and of course rookie Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow has been playing; he's been playing pretty well. He's second in the rankings for uh, as far as odds to be a comeback player of the year, right behind Dak Prescott. Jamar Chase, as we said, running not necessarily running away with it anymore, but he's favored to be rookie of the year. There's just we need to see the Bengals that we expect to see. The Raiders, I'm not sure what happened with the Raiders. I think possibly everything that you and I have had to talk about over these last handful of weeks where we open every show and it's something derogatory about the Raiders happening off the field. I think that is what is starting to take its toll on this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I they, They've definitely had their fair share of distractions. Um, I, I'm curious, though, so I really want to see how Cincinnati – bounces back after a 41 to six loss to a fellow in-state team, the Cleveland Browns. I'm curious this Bengals team just feels like it's falling down to earth a little bit. And I I don't know if maybe they just started off hot and, and didn't really show us their true selves because you look at the game against you know the 41 to 6 loss they lost to the jets before that so they've got a loss against the jets and they've got a loss against the browns i'm wondering and they they're coming off of a bye this week so they very well could get things right but i just think that they're coming down to earth a little bit and to your point i don't know um I mean, we don't know what we're going to get out of the Raiders in a given week. So this game is probably the one that I would stay away from the most if I was to put any money down on games, just because, you know, I, both of these teams, I feel like are are kind of playing inconsistent football at best. So I'd be, I don't know. I, I think that this is a stay away from me. And I actually think that the Las Vegas Raiders win this game. I mean the the Raiders, the Raiders are playing at home, so I guess that's probably why it's as close as it is. But 
You know, if we're talking about the Raiders at the beginning of the season, they were firing on all cylinders. I feel like they've come back down to earth. And I think that the Bengals are just the overall a better team. And we've seen that the Raiders, they really, the offense starts and ends and has to go through Darren Waller. And if they can't get Darren Waller going, then the offense just spins its wheels. And we saw that against Kansas City on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a fair fair statement to make. You look at what they've done to this point in the season. So to your point, I think we've got two teams that came out with great starts. And we talked about how over the course of the NFL season, water kind of finds its level a little bit. There aren't many teams that people are second guessing in the second half of the year that, you know, just still come on and carry it. So normally hot starts can fade if you if you're a pretender and you know if you're a good team, normally that'll show itself at some point in the season. But you're looking at the stats and their Cincinnati scores more points, allows less points. Uh they they pass they do not pass for more yards. That's where Las Vegas has an edge. They they average almost 300 yards a game in passing. But they rush the ball better, and they're better defensively when guarding the run, but not when it comes to the pass. So I guess what I'm looking at is if you've got a 24th-ranked pass defense going up against the second-best pass offense, I think that there's a mismatch there. But once again, I mean, that that assumes that all of these people – or all of these people – that both of these teams come out and play <laughs> – there's people on these teams, <laughs> there Brandon. Are people, so I, uh, but uh, I, I guess, you know, with it as inconsistent, I think that's why you're hearing all the him and in hong on both of our ends. Yeah. Um, this, could, this is an interesting slate for me is the Dallas Cowboys are heading to Kansas City. The Chiefs are favored by two and a half points, which I do not understand why. And I'll, I'll explain to you why. Because, A, the Dallas Cowboys' defense is is playing at a much higher level than the Kansas City Chiefs' offense is currently. And the Dallas Cowboys' offense is playing at a much higher level than the Kansas City Chiefs' defense is currently. If you want to just base it off of uh, records, of course, Cowboys are 7-2, and two, Chiefs are 6-4. and four. The Cowboys are plus 89 in point differential, where the Chiefs are plus 21. That tells you all you need to know about how this game should go. And it should go in the favor of Dallas, regardless of Kansas City being favored. Yeah, I I agree with you. So I I think that I always get a little bit nervous when I see spreads like this because, you know, here we are looking at this and we have an obvious lean. And, and if if people that watch football on a regular basis and can dissect the game and, and look at the ins and outs of the offenses and defenses, if every if all of those people are leaning a certain way, that's where I always tend to think Vegas knows something that we do not know. And, and, and we get one of those games that, you know, surprise everybody. That being said, we we've we've talked about Kansas City all year and we've talked about Dallas all year too and we've seen we've sung the praises of Dallas and we've talked about how Kansas City does not look like Kansas City i can't get away from that i cannot separate and my inability to separate those two cloud my judgment for this game and have me 
with the with the Cowboys all day long. Yeah, I I see no reason to not take the Dallas Cowboys. They're just Kansas City fans. Send your hate tweets to at BGunWMU, not me, because I will troll you back. Brandon might just not even respond to you, but Dallas is the better team, and that's why they will win. Arizona is heading to Seattle for an NFC West showdown against the returning Russell Wilson. I say returning because he, he he was there last week, but was he there? <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> um, Arizona's favored by two and a half. DeAndre Hopkins did not practice again today. Kyler Murray was at practice, so they'll at least have Kyler Murray back on the field. I have to say I do not expect the Seahawks to play near as poorly as they played against Green Bay. I see this as a bounce-back game. Russell Wilson wanted to get back on the field so bad after getting that pin removed from his broken finger that he's he's playing at home. It's late November. I think this is just this is this has all of the buildup for a Seattle Seahawks upset over the Arizona Cardinals. Weather, late season, on the road, all of these all of these factors will play into. I think Seattle wins last second field goal at the end of the game. Okay. I like it. I, I'm gonna be on the opposite side again. <laughs> um, but canceling the show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's fun to talk about these games because I think that of course uh, you know you can get a couple of different perspectives because what you laid out is is 100 right. You know you, you've got Russell Wilson coming back. He's going to be motivated, and let's call it what it is. He's got some work to do to get these Seahawks back in the playoff hunt if they are going to make a push. So um, I, I think on on the opposite side though. I, I just see too much. I've been the guy who has not believed in Arizona until the one week that they lost. So this, I, I guess, once again. You and I both, yeah. Yep. Um, and what I'll say is they're still scoring the fourth most points per game, whereas the Seahawks are just 22nd, and they're allowing the fifth least amount of points per game. And – they're taking the ball away. That that's the big differentiator. Although the takeaway differential, they're both tied for third. But I think that they've just got a better defense overall when they're in the top five in terms of defending the pass, and then you know top third when defending the rush rushing game. Whereas Seattle on the other side, they're bottom five in both categories. So, um. But to your point, you know, we, we do have a Chase Edmonds who's out for Arizona. So whether Eno Benjamin is a, is going to be a drop off from him taking the ball, you know, the first first couple downs or or what have you, that could that could play a role. DeAndre Hopkins being hobbled, that could that could play a role if he even plays at all. So this is going to be a close game. I think this is this game is decided by a field goal, but I've got Arizona winning this game. Yeah, and just so we're on, just so we're we're clear here, I don't think Seattle wins because they're the better team. I I think it's a circumstantial win. 
playmakers being out for Arizona, and then of course, like I said, being on the road, being in a, what does Peter Schrager say all the time? Being in a hostile environment, <laughs> and no, you know, the twelves are going to be present. It's going to be cold. I, I I just think it's one of those games where the Cardinals might not even look bad, and and, and still and still possibly lose this game. And I, I think the Seahawks are better than three and six as well. For the record, I do not think they're as good as the Arizona Cardinals, though. I just think it's shaping up to be an upset. Sunday night football. Thank you, Pittsburgh, for allowing the Lions to not lose. Pittsburgh is heading to the <laughs> to Los Angeles to take on the Justin Herbert-led Chargers. Chargers are favored by five and a half points. I'm kind of torn on who I want to take on this because on one hand you go, okay, well, the Chargers are clearly the better football team. However, Pittsburgh has Mike Tomlin and Mike Tomlin knows how to get the most out of his players. The issue with that is Mason Rudolph is probably going to start and how much Mason Rudolph do you really have to get anything out of <laughs> in comparison to Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh man, Mason Rudolph is, you've got to think that he is in the short-term plans for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they, They've got to be looking to secure up that spot because Ben Roethlisberger is on, the hourglass is definitely getting towards the end for him. And and Dwayne Haskins apparently doesn't really care if he's playing football or not. Um, I don't know if you saw that. So last week when he was warming up in Detroit, he, instead of, you know, throwing the ball around and things like that, he was apparently too busy checking his phone to, to really get any, in a whole lot of practice reps. So talking about practice, Brandon, (laughs) practice. Uh, what a great poll. But this this guy, you know, he's just derailing his career because I think from a skill perspective, Haskins is probably way better than Mason Rudolph. But from a student of, of the game perspective, apparently he's just not interested. Yeah, it's it's night and day. And you can tell, like, you you can only get by so far on raw talent. Like, we it's a that it's a tried and true statement in the NFL. Your talent is only going to take you so far. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had all has all the talent in the world. Had it. He's past his prime at this point, but wasn't a student of the game. Didn't want to play. Didn't want to play along, so to speak. Sat out for an entire season. And it's been all the way downhill until just being released by by the Ravens yesterday. And now he's unemployed in the NFL again. And I would assume he's most likely he's going to be retiring. You know, I hope so just because, and, and nothing against Le'Veon Bell, but he just does not look like himself. It, it's It's got to be pretty telling when you're Le'Veon Bell getting the ball and Devonta Freeman is looking way better than you. You know, they both have barely any tread on the tire, but it just seems that Le'Veon Bell has much less. But 
in terms of this game, you've got TJ Watt who's out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you've got the uh, – th- there is a path, though. If if Mason Rudolph can complete a few passes early, and so Chase Claypool did practice, get it, he got in a limited practice today, which would give them another weapon, then there's an opportunity to really for, – for Pittsburgh to potentially do this because you've got the 32nd-ranked run defense in the Chargers. And then you've got a guy by the name of Najee Harris, who, who's a man-child back there. So if you can almost complete a couple passes to open up the run, I know that's kind of reverse of the, of the way to do it. But I think that you know the, if they respect the, the pass at all, Najee Harris is going to have a day. I think I think he will as well, and I think that will be the deciding factor for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game is can they get Najee Harris going on the ground? And if they can, they will win the game. If the Chargers can bottle him up and contain him, the Chargers the Chargers will win on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm picking the Chargers, but there is a mm-hmm. there is a clear path for for Pittsburgh to pull the upset. Yep. Hundred percent on. The, I'm on the, the the same train as you are. Reunited Monday Night Football. The re, right, the return of Saquon Barkley for the New York Giants as they head down to Tampa Bay to take on the the dumb football team, <laughs> as Bruce Arians <laughs> called them. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are favored by ten and a half. Here's 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 the double edged sword of this. Tom Brady plays like a man possessed when he's pissed, and he does. But the Giants aren't a bad football team, and the Buccaneers just seem like they're kind of stuck in neutral. They... they, on both offense and defense, it doesn't seem like anything is just they started off the season on fire. You know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady is still doing his thing, right? Don't get me wrong, but they're six and three now, and they shouldn't be six and three, Brandon. They really shouldn't be. Um so it's confusing to me to see, you know, Tom Brady was leading the league in passing yards at one point. Now he's now he's third at twenty eight seventy after having an awful game. And this is where you got to go. Okay, this is the 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 test of a championship team. Can you take an awful upset and can you bounce back and just drive the ball down your opponent's throat? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because there's a couple of big injuries in Tampa Bay too. Um, and I don't know because they looked and we talked about it earlier. So early on in the season, the offense was just humming on all cylinders. And then, but the defense was still lacking and still just not, not quite getting to the quarterback. And they were, they were great against the run, but they weren't able to wreak as much havoc as I think we all had imagined. And now I'm really curious because we've, we see a team that's just off kilter a little bit. And I'm really curious how, how they're going to, play this next game because they did not play well last week. Um, you know, you've got Vita no. Vea 
out or at least questionable, but he is not tracking to play for the Buccaneers, which that's a huge miss. I mean, the dude's a monster. <laughs> and um and that's right where yes. Saquon Barkley is gonna run. So if Saquon Barkley can Isn't that called the gullet, <laughs> <It> Brandon? <is>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right up the gullet. And uh you know, Vita Vey is gonna be a big loss for this team because as you look at how they've been performing, the they meaning the Tampa Bay Buccaneers recently, it hasn't been the the team that we thought we were going to get. So once again, I'm taking Tampa Bay, but I think New York is going to make this game much more interesting than what the spread indicates. If Antonio Brown plays, the Buccaneers win. If Antonio Brown does not play, I don't see the wow. Buccaneers winning. I think I honestly I think that he is the catalyst behind it. He's missed the last three games, and the Bucks offense has looked awful the last three games ever since he's been out. I'm not sure what happened with the chemistry between Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Tom Brady, but it's clearly not there. And Tom Brady has shown that he is super reliant on Antonio Brown, and it's shown over these last three weeks. I, if he plays, the Bucks win with no problem because then it's business as usual for the Buccaneers. I, I, would, I would hope that Tom Brady does a lot of homework this week to prepare to have his bounce-back game. I don't know also. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach. I just don't know if he's a great motivator. I see that. He's a great hangout on the bus ride and the plane ride back and have a scotch with coach. He's a player's coach for sure. I just don't know if he has that fire in him like Mike Tomlin has for his team. You know like you, you know what I mean where I feel like the Bucks are a more talented team, but they're they're kind of spiraling right now and they need this is going to sound so weird. Antonio Brown is their savior. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to say that, but everything that I've seen since he's gone out tells me that that is a very correct statement, as odd as that sounds. Oh, man. It, is it not a sign that your team is in dire straits if Antonio Brown is being counted on to be your savior? At this at this point in his career, yes. Give me Antonio Brown five years ago in Pittsburgh. No, that that's one hundred percent. You know, and I don't. He's if, if we're being fair, he's not even the best receiver on the team. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both better receivers, but it's just it's the chemistry factor. Mike Evans is probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He already broke he broke Randy Moss's. Thousand yard receiving record. I don't think he's going to do that this year. I think that ends this year unless he starts getting going over these over these next six games. Um, Chris Godwin is a great receiver. I'm glad they were able to resign him in Tampa to keep him on the on on the team because I was sure that he was going to go somewhere else and get a payday that the Bucks just simply could not offer him. And then you've got Antonio Brown who is. Still playing when he's on when he was on the field this season, he looked like the Antonio Brown of old. He he was slippery through the tacklers, he was 
able to get out into space. He was able to shake off defenders, and he looked like the Antonio Brown that we were used to seeing him do straight up wide receiver screens, where you just stand at the stand at the line of scrimmage and flash to the quarterback and then take yeah. off. I mean, Antonio Brown through this point has been electric, and there has definitely been a fall off of that offense, which is really odd because you know he. <sighs> I feel like when he was not on the field, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were just fine. Then you add him, and now all of a sudden they can't function without him. I think that that's a really interesting situation there. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, you're right on, on a, in a lot of those facets. I think Tom Brady likes to feel comfortable and have his security blankets that he can count on where he knows, you know, I'm under duress. I know exactly where this player is going to be. And Rob Gronkowski is another one of those who is also doubtful for this game, I believe. So maybe maybe Tom Brady's just feeling a little lost in his rapport with some of these other guys and and the inability, or if they're taking one of them out of the equation with Antonio Brown being out, maybe that's the difference. But I just think that th- this will be a get-right game for Tom Brady, um, I think. But once again, as we've talked about, I-, I think that we've seen enough from these teams where there is a path for New York to succeed. Also, I do have to backtrack my statement on Mike Evans. He's actually tracking – Mike Evans does this every season. He's quietly tracking 1,144 oh, wow. receiving yards this season. Because if you, if you don't – religiously watch the Buccaneers games from start to finish. You'd never see Mike Evans in the headline, like in the, in the quick box score, you go on ESPN, you go wherever, and it'll show you the the top receiver. And it's never Mike Evans. It's always Chris Godwin. It's always Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers. It's never been Mike Evans, but he is quietly tracking (laughs) just just a cool 1100 yards. Nothing, nothing too crazy, which I hope that he does. I hope he eclipses that. You know, I, I, as a fan of the Buccaneers, that's what I, I I would like to see him do that. Chris Godwin, by the way, is tracking almost 1,400 yards receiving. Obviously, they have the extra game this year. But, I mean, right. you, you play your schedule. That's that, that's what you do. I don't put asterisks next to it. Like, you, you play what you play. You know, we, we've talked about this, Brandon. When... Before Derrick Henry went out, he was on track to break Eric Dickerson's record. You go, well, yeah, that doesn't count. He has got an extra game. Well, he was on track to break it by more than right. his average anyway. So that was fine. But why do we hold up Eric Dickerson's record but not O.J. Simpson's record? O.J. broke 2,000 yards in 14 games. Eric Dickerson broke his in 16. Yeah, I I, I don't get it. It seems like every time a record is coming – close to being broken or what have you, there's always a qualifier with it. You know, yeah, but this is the air it out era of football. This isn't, you know, and and I think that, you know, you're looking too hard. I either keep records or don't, you know, don't, you can't have faith in the records that are there if you're not going to, if you're going to set so many qualifiers for the people afterwards that they can't be broken. So... Mm. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I just – I'm with you. I, I think that what Derrick Henry was doing this season was ridiculous, and it's really unfortunate that it, it got cut short. And then, you know, what Tom Brady's doing at his age is insane. And 
I just love to see good football. I love to see elite players make elite plays and and lead to elite statistics. That's going to do it for us this week, and we beat you. No, you're not wrapping us up. We beat you. That's going to do it for us this week, Brandon. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. I hope you guys enjoy all of your your slate, whatever games you're planning on watching. I hope you enjoy your Thursday night game all the way through Monday until you catch Brandon and I once again on our Monday edition of the Gridiron on Tap podcast. That's going to do it. I'm Danny. And I am Brandon. And we will catch you down the road.